From Nashville, Tennessee, Southwestern Family of Companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, we share insights and inspiration for movers and shakers in the world of business. Our goal is to help you increase your self-discipline, overcome procrastination, and help you to take action on all the things that really matter. The power of your sub conscious mind. That is the focus today and just understanding what the subconscious is, how does it affect us, and what do we do to to influence it? How can we manage it? And um, I got a, a guest here that was a former Olympian and New York Times bestselling author, very successful guy and speaker. He has a tremendously powerful visual for us, tremendously powerful that I think will stick with you for a long time about the relationship between your conscious and your subconscious. And then after Vince and I chat, I put together just a couple action items for you, four of them that I think you can do to start getting your subconscious moving in the right direction. And I'm going to introduce to you something called the 30-second rule. And the 30-second rule is something that I learned from an ultra performer that has a lot to do with your subconscious in what you might not realize is such a key moment. So you got the 30-second rule, the power of subconscious, a cool story about an, an Olympic athlete, and a visual metaphor that I think you'll remember for a long time. It's all right here on this week's edition of the Action Catalyst podcast. I'm so excited that you are joining me. Thank you for being here. We're going to rock the house just after this message. This episode is sponsored by Southwestern Coaching. Southwestern Coaching has helped over 11,000 people increase their incomes by over 25% on average. As a successful salesperson, you know the importance of increasing your sales, but sometimes you might just need a little extra push and accountability to meet your goals and grow your business. Southwestern Coaching will help you increase your income through one-on-one sales and leadership coaching tailored specifically to your needs. Together, we will elevate sales. To schedule your free one-on-one business action planning session with a Southwestern coach, go to www.southwesternconsulting.com forward slash action catalyst. There are a, a certain number of speakers, I would say a small number of speakers that I, I watch and I get entertained by and I go, you know, this person has the delivery, they have the humor, they have the depth of experience and knowledge um, and just are, are, are great on stage with expertise and content and all that stuff. And this man you're about to hear from is one of those guys. Uh, his name's Vince Pacente and uh, I've, I've seen him speak live and I think, um, you know, if you have ever heard me speak and you enjoy that. That kind of balance of humor and content. I think you're going to love listening and uh, getting to know Vince. I uh, met him at the National Speakers Association. He is in the Hall of Fame, and he's also a New York Times bestselling author of a book called The Age of Speed, and has a credible story that I wanted to just I wanted to share with you. And you're going to get to hear how he basically was a recreational skier, and then in four years, something like four years, ended up in the Olympics. And so we're going to talk about a little bit of that top producer mindset and mentality and, and resiliency and, and um, just being a high performer and, and what it takes to get there. So Vince, welcome to the show. Good to be with you finally. We, uh, I miss you. I haven't seen you in months. 
I know. I know. We're we're trap. We're crossing in the air, yeah. air airways, and um, I know you're out there speaking, and and um, so yeah. And uh, coordinating schedules has been a challenge, but yeah. uh, here we are. And you know, I would just love to to have you share your story a little bit about where you came from, what happened, this whole crazy Olympic Olympic journey. Well, you know, you, you said the word resiliency, and, and that just fires off all sorts of uh, haunting memories <laughs> of this whole journey. So, you know, it's it, you know, the one question I get asked frequently is, this is how at 26 years old did you just decide to go to the Olympic Games? And the underlying question there is, how can I make a big decision in my own life? Mm-hmm. And it didn't, you know, this Hollywood notion that we just have this epiphany of clarity and we know exactly what we need to create, uh, you know, is is just that. It's a Hollywood notion. There's a, you know, I didn't decide at 26. It goes back to age, shoot, 14 when I was seeing the opening ceremonies of the Olympics on TV. And, and that's when the seed was planted. But I played clarinet in the band. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't exactly Olympic material. And... But nonetheless, that seed was planted and things just show up in our lives. And I call those defining moments. And over time, these defining moments showed up where, uh, and then by the way, a defining moment is that moment of emotional intensity. And so at 14, that would have been the opening ceremonies in high school was a friend passing away and and in traveling around the world and the customs official asking you know me if I was on the Canadian wrestling team and I made up a story. I said, yes. And, and I've just that sting of regret. So another moment of emotional intensity. And we have these moments of emotional intensity throughout our life that kind of pushes eventually in a direction where I watched my buddies who had raced in luge for a couple of years. You know what luge is, right? The mm-hmm. kind of like yeah. bobsled yeah. and laying on my back and, you know, but I quit and I watched these buddies of mine marching in the opening ceremonies. And I was in the stands with a ticket. And, mm-hmm. and the, 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 the first thing that kind of resonates with, with me for everybody that's listening is resiliency has a lot to do with how you make decisions. And we normally make big decisions when we're uncomfortable. It's, it's not this, this is what I want to create in my life. This is what I want to build. This what, you know, it's more a notion. I've had enough of this. I've had enough of being in this situation and something has to change. And it was at those opening ceremonies in answer to that question at 26, you know, uh, never again. I'm just never again going to have that feeling of regret, of not knowing, of, of engaging. So moments of emotional intensity, defining moments, are always followed up by a decision. And we're creatures of habit. <laughs> so that makes sense that we're creatures of decision-making habits. And most of those decisions are unconscious. So until we get conscious of the decision-making habits we have and say, wait a minute, you know, at 14, I just walked away. I didn't pay attention to this Olympic thing. At 26, I I realized I might just make that same decision again and again if I didn't engage. So Mm -hmm. that's the the first level. So it's, you say this is this consciousness of, of sort of these decision-making. So like, how do you how do you go about doing that? I mean, is it is it mostly just awareness of like, oh wow, I'm I'm experiencing, you know, one of these moments of intentional emotional intensity or defining right. moment as you talk about? Is it just kind of a awareness or or what's the what's the decision making process you want to sort of learn to coach yourself through? 
Well, I would coach you and anybody to follow um, this formula. In fact, I wrote a book called The Ant and the Elephant. And yeah, I wanted to ask you about this because this is classic. Well, this overlays with the Olympic story as well. So the next question is, so you made a decision at 26 to go to the Olympic Games. How did you get there? <laughs> and so I wrote the book, The Ant and the Elephant, because the ant is a metaphor for the conscious mind and the elephant is the subconscious mind. And you can make decisions all day long. Like, I want to go to the Olympic Games. I want to build a massive house. I want to buy the, you know... Uh, a Lamborghini or w whatever your decision is. But unless you give, get the elephantine subconscious mind, the massive subconscious neurons working in your favor, you're never going to be able to get that. Hmm. So the first sequence here is clarity, where clarity means that you have an emotional connection to what that goal is. And in answer to your question, how do you get there? I, you know, I challenge you to do a retrospect in your life of defining moments. And then after you've looked at, let's say, five defining moments, look at the decision you made at that time. And you'll start to see habits, <laughs> decision-making habits, and that will reveal unconscious decisions that you normally approach a situation with. And once you've revealed that, you then are in the position to say, well, no longer is it unconscious. You go, wait a minute, I... Just walking away or being afraid that it might not work out, in my case, it just doesn't work. And so that is that is the beginning part of clarity. So you, you, you then have an emotional connection of where you want to go, and then you bring in the five senses. And that's clarity. Not just, you know, when I was a kid, I remember taking my mom sold real estate and, and one of the motivational, she took me to this motivational guy and he says, if you want to, you want something like a car, a specific kind of car. And I, mean, I think he was talking about a BMW. He said, you cut it out of the magazine, you put it on the fridge. That's just a, that you just see it. Why not? smell it, the, the smell of a new car. Why not opening the door and then that sound of the, the BMW as you close the door, you know, the sense of sound and the smell, maybe the taste of champagne because you paid cash for this thing. Uh, maybe you, you know, the sensation of your hands around this wood carved wheel, uh, mm -hmm. steering wheel. And so bringing in the five senses and then the emotion of satisfaction attached to that, that is clarity. <laughs> That's way better than putting it on your fridge as a picture. I mean, you experience it. And if there's an emotional buzz that's attached to that, that means that your ant and elephant are aligned, that the ant makes a decision, hey, I want to buy this BMW, but the elephant knows the sensation of that and what that would mean when you drive up to a, you know, a, a sale that you've got coming on or a client meeting or something like that. And they go, wow, this guy's got it together. You know, so uh, and it's, you paid cash. You're not pretending with a, you know, three thousand dollar a month lease and stuff like right. that. It just buries us. You yeah. know. So anyway, well, that's clarity. I, I mean, I think that's you know, I, I love that, and I think you know, some people would call it vision, right? Or, but it's it's experiencing in a visceral way yeah. this yeah. moment in the future, and the the the. The elephant thing, the ant and the elephant really stuck with me because it's kind of like, you know, the ant sort of says this is the direction we're going to go, but you got to get the, the elephant has to come along. So in, in, is there anything else that we can do to sort of 
get control of the elephant or get the, you know yeah. uh, moving in the right way so i think you right. know the clarity is 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 one thing what 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 what's the next thing that happens all right so to to get control of the elephant is is changing your mind about what commitment is uh, so often we think of commitment as a moment where i'm saying i'm in or we walk down the aisle and say i do <laughs> Commitment's a process. <laughs> Anybody that's married knows exactly what I'm talking about. You know, that was a Saturday how many years ago. But this whole commitment thing is how do you keep engaging in a higher, higher level of commitment? And so I like to think of commitment as degrees uh, or percentages. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's say I was going to take you speed skiing and you're going to go zero to 60 miles an hour in three seconds and 125 miles an hour in eight seconds. Oh, and I don't think we mentioned that. I don't <laughs> yeah, think we yeah. actually mentioned oh, what you did right. in the okay. Olympics, yeah, so, right. Right. which is nuts. It's, uh, it's three seconds. That's insane. <laughs> so your, your reticence to do this is going to be pretty high, but let's, in, the, in the realm of commitment, <laughs> sure. if I said, okay, we're going to go do a little uh, you know, a tourist run, a speed skiing, and it's $250 of your own money, and if you pulled that money out of your pocket and you pay that registration fee, yes, you've committed, but you're not 100% committed until your skis are going downhill. And so <laughs> it's it's at that moment of the initial commitment that you realize, well, maybe you're 50% commitment committed. And that's when the voice of doubt shows up. <laughs> and so in answer to your question, when that voice of doubt shows up, the closer and closer you get to commitment that there's fear and you could correlate this to um, make it a cold call, right? Maybe it's somebody, it's a really an angry client and you have to call them up on the phone and try and turn them around. That phone weighs 5,000 pounds, right? The closer right. you get to dialing and you're calling and, you're, and, and to make that call is, is closer to 100% commitment. And the closer you get to this, let's say, metaphorical speed skiing run, the louder the voice of doubt is going to be in your ear. Don't do this, you know? But at 100% commitment, the voice of doubt goes away. Hmm. So it, it, here's, the, here's the popular notion. At, at 99% commitment, that sounds like a great thing. I'm not, you know, If you hired somebody, you've got a bunch of staff, and if you had a new hire and they were 99% committed, you'd be thrilled, right? Well, the difference between 99% commitment and 100%, put it this way, in a marriage, is 99% commitment pretty good? <laughs> you know, well, mm. Mm, that 1% means you got a three and a half day hall pass every year. <laughs> you know, so so to have this 100% commitment means the voice of doubt goes away. And what does that mean? That means action. If you're if you're if you've if you've got some doubt, point the skis downhill. If you get pick the phone up and start dialing. You know, it's that 100%. And then the voice does, goes away. The doubt goes away because you're engaged. You're, you're all there. So you've clarified it. You've committed. And then the third part would be, uh, what are you going to execute consistently? And that would be a, a competitive mindset. And I'm just going to okay. keep going because I know you got questions. But well, let me yes. just say that. Yeah. So I do. I want. I do want to talk about the commitment. But you say too. I just want to make sure I'm capturing this. So yeah. you, 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 clarity is the first part, right? Like, so we got to see it. So commitment. Experience kind of, it. Uh, Not just lo- see it. Yes, that's right. Experience it. That's an important distinction. Um, and then commitment. I mean, that's so powerful about the idea. At the closer you get to it, that it's like the more intense the fear becomes. But once you hit a hundred percent, the fear is gone, and you're just in. You're just living in action. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you take care. You find solutions. 
Yeah. And then, uh, okay, all right. So then, what? And then you said consistency. Now, consistency. And, and this is in the ant, and the elephant. The elephant, the ant realizes if it wants to get to the oasis, this goal that it has in this parable, it has to have the elephant consistently going in the same direction. And uh, because we're talking to people in the business landscape and sales entrepreneurs that like that, it, it, what I learned when I was ski racing is I. Everybody tries to do what the competition's not doing. And at the exact same moment, the competition's trying to do what you're not doing. And I changed my mind of how I would compete is to do what the competition wasn't willing to do. And the distinction is this. Uh, my competition wasn't local or national. You'd think yeah, I wanted to race on the national team. I was competing against other Canadians. Well, no, the Olympic qualifying standards were top 16 in the world. So I knew my competition were the top 16. And then to say, what are the top 16 people, skiers in the world, not willing to do? Mm. Because I started at 26. They've been racing since they were five. I couldn't physically do what they are not doing because they had a 20-year head start. But if I did what they're not willing to do, then you can supersede what the competition is doing. And the answer to the question is of what, what's my competition not willing to do? Well, it's typically those are the things you're not willing to do either. <laughs> so uh, just yes. look in the mirror and just go, what am I not willing to do? And that under the banner of consistency is that mindset of being able to uh, find those things. And these don't have to be huge things. They, I mean, it could be an interview. I, when I was racing, I interviewed a guy who had a PhD in the politics and sport, right? I got more information out of that half hour interview. And simply because the other athletes weren't willing to do that, they were, what they were doing was, you know, doing more pushups or grinding it out or getting on the ski slope or putting an extra two hours in the gym or whatever. But I, I, you know, when you do what the competition is not willing to do, you come up with competitive advantages that don't necessarily have to be huge things, just, you know, competing smarter. Hmm. I love that. That's pretty, that's, it's interesting. We talk about that a lot as just, you know, doing the things that you know you should be doing very often, the things that other people aren't willing to do. The, I always think of that in my mind as like, okay, that's, you're going to build discipline. You're going to build a muscle. But the concept here, which is really striking me as unique, is that that's actually where you create competitive advantage. Mm -hmm. That's very cool. Mm -hmm. Here's another thing. And I'm, I'm, I do this group coaching thing that, called the Heroes Challenge. And as I'm taking everybody through this, this the things that come up all the time are people who say, I, I get in my own way. I, you know, I start to get distracted. I start to go down a different path. And a tool that I used while I was racing, and still to this day, that took me to the Speaker Hall of Fame, like you said, or the New York Times bestselling list or, or whatever in, in racing was were gold dots. And the gold dots are a trigger for the emotional buzz, that clarity you had in the first place. And so you just have a simple conversation, which also goes on to the fourth C, which is confidence, meaning that if you see the gold dot, you go, oh, I'm, I'm grateful for being the fastest speaker in Canada, top 10 in the world. Because when you add gratitude to something, it's so much more effective. 
it's not an affirmation as in, in, in such that it's more of a, a goal with an emotional buzz attached to it. And it's a trigger for taking your focus off what's not working and back onto that emotional experience. And when you're back in that, you know, simple physics, no two things can occupy the same space at the same time. So when a thought is occupied with what's not going to work or this is or a distraction or whatever, you go ask yourself, is this taking me closer to my emotional buzz or further away? And if it's further away, you you snap back on. And then you can add rocket fuel to this with these gold dots. So every time you see a gold dot, it's a reminder. Oh, yeah, on the course, on course, on course, on course. So that helps mm -hmm. a lot, too. So the gold dots is, is the idea that those are like those are like the markers, almost like hey, if, if it's hard, then you're probably on the right track. Yeah. Yeah. The gold dots, I've always thought of those as triggers for what you f should be thinking about, which is that end game, that, that uh, the emotion attached to being there. Uh, and, uh, you know, as I get older, I start to realize more and more goal setting is about being present, <laughs> you know? So, you know, that may sound uh, oxy, like an oxymoron, but in order to reach a goal, be very, very present in an emotional state, in a heightened emotional state. And that's how you're going to get to where you want to go. Uh, and, and you may end up in a, you know, I, I, right now I've got a, my goal dot is thank you for our mansion by the ocean, right? So this is a new thing for us. We, uh, But we live in Dallas, <laughs> nowhere near an ocean. But, you know, to have that, and we may end up by a lake in Lake Tahoe, you know, so then it's, Still, I mean, it's not exactly what you, the goal you had, but it's more about being present in that moment. And that just creates more, more and more confidence, which confidence has everything to do with peak performance, which means you're on your A game all the time if you're, you know, nurturing that confidence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I um, you know, how do you bounce back? Like th this is part of the story that I, I really love is, you know, you didn't, it's amazing. I mean, it's amazing. You went from like, Oh, Hey, I think I'm going to take up, you know, speed skiing to, wow, I'm in the Olympics four years later, which is amazing. Um, but you didn't win the gold medal mm -hmm. and you, you know, it was like, it wasn't necessarily the storybook ending. How do you deal with that? Like, what about when you, what about when you do experience it and you see it clearly and you are committed to it and you do all the work and, you know, then it's like you're walking down, you're walking down this path and you're consistent and, uh, you, you play confidently and then it doesn't work out. Like yeah. where does that, how do you handle that? Well, the, <laughs> it was hard. I mean, there's something called post Olympic depression and I have to say that uh, gold medalists have this just as much as anybody that didn't attain a medal, you know, or the gold. And it, it's really when you drive towards something for so long, and in this case for me, it was just four years. But, I mean, I went through a real low part just thinking it just didn't happen. It didn't work the way I wanted to. And that's part of my message when I speak to, to groups uh, is I don't tell the audiences that I didn't win the gold medal. So they're going, oh, my gosh, you're 10th in the world and you're in the gold medal round. And I say, hey, yeah, here's the video. And you hit a bump. <laughs> I hit a bump. I At 138 miles an hour, I hit a bump and I bobbled enough that it dropped me down to 15th place with no second chance. Mm. And the reconciliation, in answer to your question, is – is to, I, I had to give myself a break. I forgot 
first that the goal was to get to the Olympic Games. In the <laughs> in the Olympics, uh, you know, the, that was the goal, to march in the opening ceremonies. Yet a year before the Olympics, I was ranked 10th in the world. I went, well, I don't need to just go there. Why don't I win something? And then so that became the goal. So I'll be happy when I... I, you know, get a bigger house. I'll be happy when I get a smaller house. I'll be happy when I get in a long-term relationship. I'll be happy when I get out of the long-term relationship, <laughs> you know? So we're constantly in this state of happy when, and uh, I guess we come right back to that being present and being in that mo- moment of emotional intensity of, of enjoying this moment and, uh, and, and oozing, you know, getting every bit of, of joy you can from this moment and then, um, you know, it's, we're doing this interview with the election has passed and uh, people are so focused on what could go wrong, you know, and I'm thinking, well, <laughs> yeah, but why not be happy now? Just be happy now. And I guess that, that may sound trite to, to people, but goodness, that's that's how you have achievement. And that's when you hit a bump, you just go, yeah, shoot, I hit a bump. Oh, and move on. So I guess that's uh, the path to enlightenment is somewhere out there. I think I'll find it uh, (laughs) one day, Mm -hmm. maybe. Well, I like the formula. Um, Clarity, commitment, consistency, confidence, my friends. There's more to it than that. Um, And uh, Vince, where do you want people to go if they want to connect with you or find out about you speaking or uh, check out the books? Well, I've got uh, two websites, actually. The VincePosenti.com will get you to all the products and the tools and the, especially the speaking. If you haven't seen this Olympic story, A, don't give away the ending. And B, if you've got somebody it's planning. It's hilarious. Yeah. He stands on a chair yeah. and it's, 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 it's like nothing, you know, it's like no stage performance I've ever seen. It's, yeah. it's a trip. Well, it's about you and I are in the business of edutainment. We've got to entertain people at the same time give them substance and uh and so that speaking thing vincepacenti.com and if you're curious about more i've got something called heroesclimb.com uh, and uh i've got some adventures i've been doing recently climbing in the himalayas and i've got some neat little uh stuff out there that we're, uh, if people want to join me on is some adventures next one is in cambodia the next one after that is back to the himalayas so Reach out, and uh, I'd love to get to know some of your listeners on a first-name basis if we get a chance. So, there well, you go. you're you're a wild man, and uh, I appreciate you giving us some insight here into the into the real mindset of of what ultra performers are are doing, and it's it's such a good reminder of just uh, the choices that you got to make and the work that you have to do to get the elephant moving in the right direction. So, Vince, I appreciate all you put out into the world and. Uh, the way that you inspire people and you lift people up. And we just, we wish you all the best, my friend. Well, I appreciate it. Next time you're in Dallas, come visit. All right. Sounds good. Take care. The ant and the elephant. What a great visual representation of our conscious and our subconscious. I think that is really going to stick with me. And I think it's really appropriate, right? It's like what we want to do at the conscious level is this intelligent thing, but it's very smart, it's very small and not very forceful. And what is really dictating your life, what is really driving your results, what is really determining the outcomes that you are going to experience is not your conscience 
not your conscious, but your subconscious. And that is a wild thought. And, and what it hit me really for the first time, just as I was sitting there listening to Vince talk, it occurred to me, I said, wow, you know, there's, there's little to no training on how to master our subconscious. Like, you never take a class on it. We don't talk about it. It's not like you have you have all sorts of skills training on the job. And and even people who talk about like uh, hard work or motivation or work ethic, like those things aren't really in the, the realm of training somebody on how to train their subconscious. So where is it that we are trained on how to train our subconscious? I feel like that's a gap in the world. So that's what I thought I would talk about here and just... I went back and uh, was reviewing like some of the guests and and just some of the people that we've profiled over the years, and I was trying to pull together a list of like what do we know about the the exercises that you can do to enhance your subconscious, and there's four of them, and and one that I will share with you called the thirty second rule, which I think ties into Vince's story really well. And so these are kind of four behaviors, four things that you go, okay, these are actionable things that you can do immediately to start training your subconscious or continue training your subconscious if you're, if you're doing some of these already. So the first one I think is affirmations in the morning, affirmations in the morning. You have to do it right. Is just you, what you're telling yourself you are whoever you tell yourself repeatedly that you are. It's like our our brain doesn't delineate between positive and negative. Our brain simply accepts whatever we hear most frequently and buys into that as, as true. And so it's a matter of programming, and that is what your subconscious is. It's a matter of programming. No different, no different than a computer hard drive. And you are the programmer, and you have to be intentional and deliberate about programming your mind that way. And I think that starts with affirmations and having them written down. Not, um, I mean, you can say them out loud, but I, I wouldn't rely on on memorization. And I don't, I don't, I don't say mine out loud. Frankly, I, you know, you probably should because I've heard that if you run your finger over affirmations, that activates one part of your brain. Um, is like a kinesthetic right experience but then also if you're reading them and then if you're speaking them out loud but i just read them quietly um but i do it every every day um never miss a day of that and programming your mind is is huge so list out affirmations if you've never done it before you go okay well what does that mean how do i do that where, where you know what do i say um uh, it's pretty simple just write out characteristics adjectives if nothing else adjectives that describe the person that you want to be just adjectives that describe the person that you want to be it can it can be that that simple and you know there's all sorts of things that you can say um you know people will tell you in terms of the proper way to construct a an affirmation or whatever but i you know for me i've always just kind of kept it simple and i just um i just kind of list them list them out you know um i'm god inspired uh I, and you know things like things that are kind of like that. I, I mine the the start of mine is I'm God inspired, principle based, people driven, fiscally responsible, abundantly wealthy, entrepreneurially astute, brilliant, confident, 
confident, courageous, electric, insightful, entertaining, powerful, convicted, magnificent, dynamic, charismatic, unapologetic, discerning, disciplined, decisive, dedicated. And it goes on and on and on and all these, all these things that I, I am and I am becoming. And, you know, that's it. It doesn't have to be anything, anything more than that. It can be just super simple and straightforward. The second thing is visions in the evening. Visions in the evening. You know, Vince talked about it as clarity. Um, but falling asleep every night thinking in excruciating detail about what you want in your life. And I love where he was talking about the five senses because that's what it's all about is activating, you know, your senses. What can you smell? What can you taste? What can you touch? And, and, and you have to have to do that. Um, it's huge and fall asleep at night, you know, dreaming about what you want to have, where you want to go, what you want to become, what you want to do with your company, your family, um, all of those, all of those things. I think it's just so powerful to fall asleep at night because your brain, your subconscious processes the last thing that you see, uh, for something like an hour, maybe two hours into your sleep pattern. So I'm very, very intentional about what you are thinking about um, right before you fall asleep. Very important. Um, the third one is monitor your limiting beliefs throughout the day. So you have this bookends of the morning and the evening sort of episode, but your subconscious is something obviously that is, is operating all the time throughout the day. And one of the most dangerous things you can do is the, the negative programming that you allow to enter into your subconscious, right? And that is very easy. Like if you hear, even hearing someone else's good news is often a chance or a time when negative um, subconscious programming takes place for us because somebody else will achieve something and we immediately think, oh, I could never do that. And you just have to basically be mindful of it and you just have this alert go off that you just kind of say, oh, that's silly. Why, you know, and you erase that from your mind. Of course I could. Uh, of course I could. I might choose not to, to do that right now. I might choose not to be focused on that thing. But you, you have to monitor um, the limiting beliefs that come up through the day. And you want to monitor and be very hyper, I'm hyper, hyper sensitive about what people say about me, about um, the the things I tell myself about myself. And uh, also you got to be aware of, of, of things that you hear because people will say things and they'll speak them out as truth, right? Somebody will say, well, you know, you can either be successful or you can have a great family. You just, that's how it is. And we hear so many of those things and, and people say it with so much certainty. It's very easy for us to not have a second thought about it and just kind of go, oh, yeah, and take that as truth, right? Like you can either be rich or you can be happy. Oh, okay. Um, and, and, and we go, and all of a sudden that is a part of our subconscious and you'd be very, very resistant and, and just, critical about filtering what you allow in and, and what you keep out because very often you can have both. I mean, that's one of the things that, that rich people do is they think in terms of both instead of either, or it's, they think in terms of, and, and that as a rule is one of the things that typically prevents you from having limiting beliefs set into your subconscious because it's, it's, they are most often either, I think, looking at something someone else is doing and thinking you couldn't do it or forcing yourself to say, I can either be this or I can be that. Like I can either, I can either be in good shape or I can spend time with my kids, right? Like I can either get sleep or I can, 
you know, whatever, be caught up on work. And, you know, there, sometimes there are trade-offs that you have to make, but there's other things you can cut and it's, it's not really just either or with those two things. So that's, um, the third one. And then the last one is the 32nd rule, the 32nd rule on failures. Failures is another time, unfortunately, where we program our subconscious. It's these heightened emotional experiences. Vince talked about that, that our our brain is most receptive to intaking information. And when we fail, very often there's some negative, you know, it's a negative experience for us. And what you tell yourself about yourself in those moments of failure is really, really important. And you heard him talk about this when he didn't get the gold medal. It wasn't, oh my gosh, what a failure, what a waste of time. You know, I never win, it's never be good enough, or this, this isn't, you know, this isn't fair, or I was robbed, or any of those things that come up in the the moments of failure. Because when you allow yourself to indulge, and that's what it is, it's an indulgence. Negative thinking is a form of indulgence. Negative thinking is is a form of indulgence. When you allow yourself to indulge in that kind of negative thought, it sets in and boom, all of a sudden your elephant is going one direction that your ant is is going to have a hard time reining in and getting control. So the 32nd rule is, uh, okay, no matter how big the failure, it's like, okay, what happened? What can I learn from this? 30 seconds and, and it's gone right? It's just, it's just gone. You attach no additional meaning to the fact that you didn't succeed or, or that the result that you hoped for didn't turn out. You attach no additional meaning to what that means about you as a person or to what that will mean for you in the future. It's simply an educational experience and you move on. You know, John Maxwell wrote a book a couple years ago called, uh, you either, you, you always win or you learn. And that's it. You win or you learn. It's it's one of those two things. It's never lose. It's you win or you learn. And from a subconscious perspective, that's really, really powerful and engaging. So there you have four you know, practical exercises that you can do. You've probably heard me talk before and other people about affirmations in the morning, visions in the evening. And visions is, is, is so powerful too because when you're busy, busy, Busy is not the result of us having too much to do. Busy is the result of us having an unclear vision. And un- because the clearer your vision is, the more obvious your priorities become. The clearer your vision is, the more obvious your priorities become. And when you have a clear vision and you spend time thinking about it, sure, there's more to do than you can ever get to, but the things that need to be done are become pretty obvious. So you, you've probably heard those two, but the monitoring the limiting beliefs throughout the day, specifically in uh, monitoring other people's success or being forced to choose between one or the other, and then the 30-second rule on failure. But your subconscious is what is driving your life. And so you have to get control of it and you have to master it and you have to take that elephant and you're going to tame that beast and you're going to own it and you're going to dominate it and you're going to put your subconscious to work and it is going to work from for you from this day forward, no matter what, all the time in your favor, in your direction until you win. Well, that about wraps up the Action Catalyst podcast for this week. If you haven't yet, please log in to whatever your favorite medium is to listen to the show and both rate this podcast and leave a comment as that helps new prospective listeners determine if the show's really a good fit for them. 
If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and screenshot this episode to share with your friends on social media. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst and subscribe to our video podcast on YouTube. Thanks for listening.